0: Thank you for listening to our New Life Christian Center podcast. Stay tuned after the sermon for more ways to connect with us. Amen. Open in your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Psalms, chapter 119, the longest chapter in the book. Psalm 119. Look, if you would, at the 45th verse. We've been teaching for weeks now. This is actually uh, the fourth week Called, so a sermon series entitled Walking in God's Awesome Future. Most of us believe we have to wait for God's future because it happens somewhere else besides here. And yet there are so many places in the Bible where, the, where it encourages us to understand the kingdom of God is right now. It's in us and it pleases. Luke chapter uh, 12 and about verse 32, uh, might be 11, 12, 32, um, um, says that it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so you need to recognize that that we're not waiting for some pie in the sky day for all this to happen it is uh look at there, that's exactly right. We're not waiting for some pie in the sky uh, uh, opportunity for for us to get to heaven. heaven heaven is not a rescue, it's a reward and uh you know, we're, we're to live here, heaven on earth. That's what the Lord's Prayer says, that be it done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and I take that literally, and you say, well, I don't. Well, then you can't take the other part of it literally if you don't take that part literally. You know, so maybe your Father isn't in heaven, and maybe He doesn't supply your every daily need. I don't have any idea how you live, but I'm just here to tell you that He told us, pray this way. You say, well, why don't you do that? Why don't you do that in your church, Pastor? I've had lots of people ask me this uh, over the years. Why don't you do that in, in the earth? Because it's a rabbinical outline. I don't know if you realize this, but each line of that was meant to be an outline. And, and there were probably an hour's worth of teaching after each line. So I can do that for you if you'd like. I don't know. There's nine or ten lines, so, so uh, bring a snack. Amen. Amen. Look at this, Psalms 119. It says, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I seek your precepts. Literally, it means to tread over or to frequent by asking. We need to be asking God what His precepts are. And I I related that to you last week, and we went down this road, and we'll, we'll, we'll review a little bit. But the precept is literally the instruction that God gives us to pay attention to how God wants things ordered. Much of our prayer life is based on how we want God to order us. And much of what God does with us in the speaking of precepts is for him to speak to us instruction that says this is the way it works. So when you come across Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, it says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and then these things will be added to you. When you look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 3, it says, by faith we understand. There's an order to those things that God ordains. He wants you to believe before you see. You can say, well, that's crazy. Actually, it's crazy to believe what you can see if it goes against what the Bible says you should be able to see. See, that, that's crazy. If God says this is the way things are going to be, and we're, nope, God is not that way because look what I can see. You're just looking at the wrong stuff. Right, I used to tell people all the time, I, I'm, I'm exceedingly competitive uh, outside of Jesus, um, and sometimes in Jesus, but most of the time outside of Jesus. And, and I'm absolutely convinced that I've never, ever lost an athletic event. The clock just stopped too soon. Amen? clock sometimes the clock is see that's what the world does the world wants to time all this stuff well I can't believe you people believe for healing every week yeah and this let me tell you something about that we believe it every week because you heard the testimonies today right and forgive me miss Gale, but 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 you know and, and I'm going to put an age on you and you know and and so so okay I'm not going to uh someone who's as old as her husband <laughs> falling outside and using the concrete as a as a balancing act isn't supposed to go to the doctor, have x-rays, have fractures in her face, have fractures in her thumb, <coughs> and then go back four days later and he says, well, I don't know what to do, but would you please just... See, the doctor's just protecting himself. He <laughs> says, please put this brace on your hand. <laughs> Why? Well, because... <laughs> You can't write with that stupid brace, can you? I understand. There you go. So she doesn't have her brace on right now. Somebody call the doctor. (laughs) See, that's how we think. Well, he told us. Well, he's the whole of his life is described by practice. I know you've heard that practice makes perfect. No, it doesn't. Practice makes permanent. Permanent. If you do something over and over and over again and you practice it that way, it'll make it permanent. You'll permanently be an idiot. <laughs> you know, when you stay long enough in a church, you can say stuff and smile and people understand that you're kind of you're gently, you know, casually. But it's true, man. You're just stupid as a pile of rocks if you don't believe the word of God. Don't worry, I'm close to retirement. He says, I'll seek your precepts, the instructions. So last week we talked about precept number one. God expects for you to live through your new creation identity. You are a new creature. When you accepted Jesus Christ, the old guy passed away. Run the Snickers bar underneath the nose of the dead guy. He will not move. You are dead in Jesus Christ. You're living in your spirit, man. Live from your spirit, man, into your soul to affect how you think and how you emote, how your emotions work. And that will affect how your flesh goes. Most of us let our flesh dictate to us because our emotions are so high. Well, that's just wrong. We talked about precept number two. God expects for us to live through our hope. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Most of us in this kind of movement, <coughs> excuse me, have, have believed we have to build up some kind of faith. No, we just have to hope, <coughs> hope for the same things that God's put in our heart. I'm telling you, God has put healing in my heart. I live differently. Why? Because I believe that that's what he intends to do. He set that in order. You say, well, I don't believe that because I've never seen it. Well, listen to me, Doubting Thomas. The Bible says, how blessed are you if you believe before you receive? Right? Before you can see. You know, that's what provision is. Are you aware of that? How many of you know what a prologue is? You ever read a book with a prologue? First thing you read, right? It means before the other words. Pro, before, before. Vision, sight. What's God giving you? He's giving you something that lives before you see it. Provision. Come on, how many ever tripped over something and realized it was valuable? Come on, amen. <laughs> yeah, amen. Precept number three God expects for us to live through our belief that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I'm telling you, the world and the church world is full of all kinds of people who don't believe God wants to do anything. He did everything in Jesus. Yeah, he did do everything in Jesus. You just haven't discovered what the everything was. Right? He was bruised for our iniquities. Iniquities are the thought processes that lead you to sin. He was bruised for that. Right? His sin. Our sin was put on him. Jesus was a sinner for six hours. He never sinned in all his life. But starting at 12 o'clock, 9 o'clock in the morning when he was judged all the way up till 3 o'clock where it went dark, all of our sin was put on him. He'd never sinned before, but Jesus took our sins because the Father gave it to him. He says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He looked into his future and said, that's a good future. I'll take this so that they can have that. See, he expects us to believe that he is a rewarder. And you get this into your heart and God will order your life. Well, I just hope I die pretty quick because this has been hell on earth. I'm telling you what, when I started learning this, I had to learn how to do a happy dance. Because that's not normal for me. And I do it privately when nobody's looking. Right. Come on. How many of you don't think you can sing? But you sing in the shower. You're still doing it, right? But you don't think you can do it, right? I, I came to, to church this morning, and my, li- my wife's st- sitting in my office. I had a couple things I needed to get done before. I was just actually just writing my sermon right then, you know, but no, no not really. <laughs> I had a couple things, and I look at my wife, she's, she's staring at me. She's got that look, you know. So pretty soon she's over behind me in the chair and she's she's got her fingernails out and she's trying to comb my hair because I had a rooster tail. I said, well, can people see it? She said, I can see it. I said, well, it would have been handy if you'd have told me when I was at home when I had a comb. (laughs) Sometimes the reward that we want is so fleshly that we can't even find God in the middle of it. Can I tell you something? I could have preached just as well with the rooster tail. Right? My hair doesn't make me listenable. Right? My my clothes don't make me listenable. I wear these clothes because I like them. I don't care if you don't like them at all. It don't make any difference to me. If you want to buy me clothes, we can shop together and we'll buy what I want. (coughs) How hard is this to figure out? You see, what we want God to do is we want him to reward us in that thing that makes us comfortable in our flesh. You ought to be thanking God in the midst of some of the stuff you're going through, because what you learn in the middle of what you're going through, you'll never give up when you get on the other side of it. I've learned so much stuff going through stuff I never signed up for. Man. Precept number four, God expects for us to live through heavenly math. Heavenly math. Either God can't add or his math expected on this earth is different than what we use. The Bible says a man shall leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife. And though they were two, they shall now become one. One man, one woman together equals what? One. Very good. You're as smart as God. (coughs) You want to know why divorce is so painful? If two become one and man tears them apart, what's left? Two half people. Huh. You know why you're 70% more likely in your second marriage you went in with a half. You didn't go in with all that God put in you, and you were holding back. You need healed from that. See, don't, don't be upset at divorce. Divorce is a response. The problem that we have is divorced hearts from God. I don't have time to teach that. Just don't touch it. Just leave it alone. So God says, this one thing I do, forgetting what lays behind and reaching forward, for what's in front of us. Philippians chapters 4, 3, 14th verse. Whatever, you don't need to put it up. It's okay. They'll find it. One thing. Let go. Reach forward. God considers that one thing. You've got to live in heavenly math. Right? God says it's more blessed to give. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. Press down, shaking together. Shall men give unto the bosom of your coat. He's saying, listen, if you'll give, I'll return it. How many of you know when you give, you lost something? Careful. Because if you lost something, then it was yours to give. If you work in God's math, he gave us everything. Everything I have. John chapter 3 tells us no man can receive anything unless it's given to him by his father who is in heaven. you got nothing that God didn't give you. Come on, now that's that's the truth right there. <clears throat> Let's get into this. Maybe. I separated this for this week because it's so important. It's called the precept of choice. There are two dynamic choices that God sets up for us, and they're in order. Boy, if you miss this, it'll, it'll wreck your Christianity in a lot of ways. They're in order. Remember, a precept is what, how God instructs you according to how he intends to order things. Okay? So you can't have anything unless it's granted to you. Look at this with me, would you please? Put that up, please, Jeremy. Jeremy, uh, John chapter 3, verse, verse 27. <laughs> John answered and said, so this is in the argument about whether Jesus is the Christ and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. Everything you have. You say, oh no, I worked really hard for this. You don't understand heavenly math. And you don't understand the principle of choice. Because the Bible tells us in John chapter 15, you did not choose me, Jesus said, I chose you. Now now remember, a precept is an order or an instruction of how God orders things. You didn't choose God and then God say, oh, thank you so very much. He chose you first. Right? Look at it. (coughs) John, you did not choose me. 15 and 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I love that. I love the fact that before I was smart enough, God chose me. And look what else he did. He said, and appointed you. Do you see it? And appointed you. I love this. Throughout this passage, these passages I'm going to talk about... (laughs) he uses words that fit what we're talking about. Appointed literally means to set in order. If you'll recognize that God chose you, with that choosing is the setting in order, the ordination, the commitment, (coughs) excuse me, particularly a foundation for a building, for building, right? Is this choice that says, this is how I'm going to order stuff. I'll choose you first. That's what he says. In fact, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4 says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us before there was anything to choose. He said, I'm going to set this in order for you. Pretty soon, I'm going to speak and what was chaos is going to come together. Read Genesis chapter 1. And then he's going to speak and light is going to go. And then he's going to speak and the dirt's going to form up. And then he's going to speak and the waters are going to be separated. And then he's going to speak and the plants are going to come. And then he's going to speak and the animals are going to come. And then he's going to speak and man's going to become a living being. Before any of that happened, before the foundation of the world, he chose us. You need to get this in the right order. Now, the second part of this, and I have to teach them together, the second part of this is that we have to then, in response, receive that choosing, which literally we say, hey God, thanks for choosing us. I choose you back. Right? (coughs) So that's what's happening here. And so anyway, God expects for us to live through his heavenly choice. Okay, here's how a lot of people live. They live expecting for God to whack them based on every bad thing they've ever done. He didn't choose us. He only chose us so he could have a whipping boy to discipline. But the Bible says the discipline, Isaiah chapter 53, about verse 4, it says the discipline was put on our Lord so that we could have his peace. Jesus received the discipline for your goofiness and replaced it with his peace. You see, that's a powerful thing to recognize because he said it in order. Right. So we get rid of our sin. We receive peace. And he says, oh, and by the way, the stripes on Jesus's back that you all talk about, they're there for your healing. He set those in order. But then we come into this thing and we say, well, you know, pastor, (coughs) all that can be true. But we need to do some things. Like. What do you need to do on top of what Jesus did for you to make what Jesus did for you better? I mean, the circular logic there is like a, like a circular firing squad. You're trying to figure out what you've got to do. But in reality, God chose you from the beginning. You say, well, does that mean everybody's saved? No, because it says in the Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 2, something or other, <laughs> says that God's desire is for every man to be saved. His desire, His intent... But we have to receive that, right? That's why the Bible says, how how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because we're taking the knowledge that God chose us. See, while you are yet a sinner, Christ died for you. That's that's his order. That's his precept. But what we think is, well, you know, you can get saved for free, but everything else will cost you. (laughs) God expects to deal with us through this choosing. He always is speaking into our life like He likes us. Right? Come on. (laughs) Excuse me. Thanks. You're a precious wife. We were watching a Hallmark Channel's all we have. (laughs) We were watching the Hallmark Channel. You know how they go, right? They come together and they lay out the plot. This girl's going to end up loving this guy. And at the end of the movie, the credits roll when they kiss. And, And they're together for one week. And they're madly in love. Right? And get married. And Tracy's sitting in her chair yesterday... And there's a new. Hey, thank you. There's a new man. I got. Thank you so much. Uh, there's a new Hallmark movie. It comes on every Saturday night at six or seven o'clock. And and they're all the same, but a new one comes on that we haven't seen yet. And so we're watching. And and the guy the guy. Sees this woman, and she's uh, she's smelling some roses, and he takes her picture. And because Tracy and I are, did you see it too? All oh, right, see, and and your movie was the same. Right at the end, they kiss each other and live happily ever after. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, watch that movie, and he takes a picture of this girl who's smelling a rose. Now already, because I am like lightning quick that guy is going to end up loving that girl, okay? So I'm watching because I don't want to be surprised. See if I understand how this is supposed to go. And so at the end of the movie, they're kissing and the credits are rolling and Tracy looks at me and she says, you know, that doesn't really happen in real life. Unless you're me. And I told her this in our room. I'm going to tell you this because it'll make you go aw. So get ready. I said, I used to do that, too, when the world showed me something. And I said, that's not possible. But I realized after the first time that I took that woman for pizza, I told my best friend I'm going to marry her. We were together an hour. And I knew. Aww. It does happen. Why? Because and we weren't even saved. But I'm telling you, God saw our future put us together, and then ran us into a man named Ira Kasperson, bless his heart, should have killed him the first time I saw him, (laughs) who followed us around for six weeks telling us what the Bible said. I was supposed to be teaching him how to work. He was teaching me what the Bible said. All this happened from 1976 until 1983 when her and I stepped into our first ministry experience because God was smarter than us. He chose us before the foundation of the world. So the next time you're watching the Hallmark Channel and you think, ah, nobody can fall in love in a week, it absolutely happens. Because God is involved putting people together because he knows their future. You should thank me for that one. God expects us to live through that. He sets those things in order. He literally has a building plan for our life through what Jesus has already done for us you know I we were talking with some (laughs) pastors the other day and I said well do you they they had they've been in our church and they said we just find that so amazing how how you and, and Tracy just pray together and just you know flow back and forth and they're finding that interesting I thought well you shouldn't find that interesting she has stuff I don't I mean she will love you in mercy and I will love you in correction. <laughs> Duh. Right? And what, what's happening there? God saw that. He chose us from the beginning. Well, if you can get this and put it in order. Oh, thank you, God, for choosing me. Now I can follow. No, I'm telling you what, God was painting your, <clears throat> painting your white lines on your road before you were even aware that there were a road. Yeah. <laughs> Going here you go. Stay in here. And when you got out there on the rough stuff, you know, the rough stuff out there on the outside of the white line. God didn't design you to drive your life out there. Stay on the right side of the white line. Because outside of it, outside of the narrow path, it's rough. My grandpa used to, he had all kinds of gizzard jokes. He says, that'll jar your gizzard clean out of you. Turn with me if you would. (laughs) Are you learning yet? Do you have this idea that God chose you before you could respond? That's what I'm trying to get you to see. See, you didn't start this stuff in motion because you chose something. In fact, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, that God places the members in the body as he chooses. You don't even get a choice. You say, well... I don't know if I'm in the right place. If you don't know if you're in the right place, you're probably in the wrong place. Amen. Did I tell you to turn to 1 Corinthians 3? 1 Corinthians 3. Notice this. Verse 11. Thank you, Jeremy. Oh, lightning fingers back there. None of this stuff's in his notes. I like it doing it this way. I don't remember where I was preaching one time. And the guy came up to me afterwards, and he says, my tech team just sat back and listened. I said, well, why? He says, because they can't do this. They can't, they can't do it on the fly. You need to give them tiles. You need to, what do they call that, Jeremy? The, the little tile thing? Oh. Slides. Need to bring a slide stack with you. I said, well, sometimes on Thursday, I don't know what I'm going to say. Sometimes on Sunday morning at 1030, I don't yet know what I'm going to say. So I can't make your slides. I need somebody with quick fingers. Hey, put this scripture up. This is it. First Corinthians chapter three, look at verse number 11. For no other foundation can anyone lay than what that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, what happens in all of this is he laid a foundation of our choosing. He said, in Jesus Christ, you're going to walk this way. Now, you can't start walking until you receive what he's made available to you. And sometimes you receive it Almost in ignorance because you didn't realize that when you received it, he was going to put all of his plan in order. Right. And some of his plan we wouldn't have signed up for. But there's no other foundation and we're going to build on it. Amen. So here's precept number six. Our acceptance of his choosing connects us to his divine order. When we realize God has chosen us, and and I could have given you all kinds of scriptures. You know, your life is not your own. You've been purchased with a price. Do you not know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? You have the mind of Christ. I give you all these things. He did that before you said yes. Now, you weren't operating in it, because operating in it connects you to His divine order. When you accept it, you say, wait a minute. Is that true? I have the mind of Christ. Your spirit man has the mind of Christ. And you say, well, I didn't know that. That's because you're over here operating in your fleshly guy trying to get smart about the Bible. Well, I know what the Bible says. You wouldn't know Jesus if he threw a rock at you. Because he's living over here in your spirit man where his mind is one of the attributes that you get upon getting born again. Right, Your old guy's dead in Christ. Your new guy is alive. He's a new creation. That's one of his precepts. Now notice it says here, or maybe just put up the quote. It says, God expects us to live through his heavenly choice as if it is ours. When we connect to him, we recognize he chose us first. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He chose us first. We accept that choosing by saying, wow, thank you, God, that you chose me. And then he begins to turn the Holy Spirit loose, because when you get born again, the Holy Spirit is deposited in you, right? And he'll spend the rest of your life trying to get out through the things he does. Stay with me. And so you'll find that when you accept that, you get everything that God has designed for you. But not everything comes alive to you. In day one. It's there, but it's not alive to you. Why? Because you didn't accept it. How many of you think that heaven is better than earth? Why? Come on, here's what you can say. Well, there's no sickness there. And God designed our earth, and specifically you as a Christian, to not be subject to sickness. Well, but I am. Stop it. Uh, On earth as it is in heaven. Well, God provides everything in heaven and on earth. Paul said, I don't speak in regard to need. That's all I hear sometimes in the church. Gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy. I got needs. Why? Why? Because you haven't accepted what God did for you already. I'm always interested in the people who don't have peace. This is one of the first revelations that, that I received upon my salvation. God... Put up Isaiah chapter 54 or 53 verse 4. See if that's right, Jeremy, would you please? Hope this is right. How about that? Surely... He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. This is speaking prophetically of Jesus Christ. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. (laughs) Without the spirit of God, you'll see that God seemed to be mean to Jesus. We esteemed him as stricken, smitten by God. And you can't correlate that with the book of Hebrews that says for the joy that was said before him, he endured the cross. Next verse, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. The wounds that he, <clears throat> that he had was in, in response to the sin that we had. Transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. He was beaten up for the thought processes that lead us to sin. Iniquities and sin, right? The chastisement for our peace was upon him. The discipline he received... What should give us peace? This is before you did anything. I'm always amazed when people say, Well, I just don't have any peace. It's because you're focusing on the wrong stuff. Jesus brought peace and paid for it. Now, I just want to tell you something. If you tell me today that you're leaving a paid-for meal voucher at the Lazy Dog Restaurant in Broomfield, Colorado, my favorite place where they have a peanut butter and jelly hamburger. <laughs> Candied bacon. Hot's oh, good. If you tell me you left me a paid receipt for a meal, I'm not going to say to you, I don't suppose you intended to do that. Well, I can't receive that. I'm telling you right now, I'm driving up there and eating that hamburger. <laughs> you paid for it. It's about $17 in case you just want to pay in advance. You say, is it worth $17? Every bit. Every bit. Hallelujah. It's so good. The only thing that make it better is that other restaurant that cuts the donut in half and uses the donut for the, for the bun. <sighs> you can buffet the flesh there. Anyway, if you tell me you paid for it, I'm going to receive it. The chastisement for our peace, the discipline was on Jesus Christ so that we could have, it's paid for. Why don't you have peace? Because you refuse to take the paid for. He wants you to live differently. There is nothing in this world that you can go through that Jesus Christ hasn't paid for the solution already. Paid in full. And you say, well, I just don't believe that. Well, then go ahead and suffer. You say, well, that's not very nice. The creator of the universe paid for your meal. And you're telling him, no, thank you very much. And by his stripes we are healed. It, it, It puts some stuff in motion. It's the order. Nobody understood the salvation of Jesus Christ by faith and faith alone in Isaiah chapter 53, it's a prophecy. It came to pass in Jesus Christ. Put up the 10th verse in that same chapter, would you please? Sorry, Jeremy, I know none of these were in your notes, but I wasn't exactly sure where we were going. Isaiah fifty three ten. yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. You need to get a smile on your face because God smiled when Jesus was sacrificed. Go ahead, give to, wrap your mind around Jesus was thinking of you, and God was smiling. That's a pretty good deal, man. That's a precept. That's a precept. God set that in order. So he chose us, and we reciprocate by choosing him back and saying, hey, thanks so much for paying for everything. Amen? Amen. 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 So (laughs) the, the Bible begins to process these things, and then we say, okay, pastor, what does that mean? It means your future is not meant to be something you can't stomach. You say, well, it's so hard, pastor, it's so terrible. I've been through hard things, too. You are not designed to be a victim of your future. You're designed to be a contributor to its reward. Well, Miss Peggy came up here and talked about her daughter and the doctor, you know, they're practicing. So they'll tell you stuff they're not sure about because they're practicing on you, guinea pigs. Anyway, and they said, well, this might happen. Well, a week later, I guess you can think he just changed his mind or God got involved. I choose to believe God got involved because you see. He's designing your future. You say, oh, for that week. And I I bet, I mean, there were tears all around, weren't there? That's scary as all get out. They come and tell you something you never want to hear come out of a doctor's mouth. And then, you know, it takes a little bit, hour or so, and you go, wait a minute. This is not God's intent. And somebody gets militant about it, right? Somebody gets kind of wound up. In in our family, it's Tracy. (laughs) We were praying one time in a family situation and there was 10 or 15 of us around our kids and that kind of stuff and my kids. So, you know, anyway, we're all praying. It was for for Tracy's dad and Donnie and Susan were there and everybody were praying and, and everybody prayed, you know, Lord God, you know, be with us kind of stuff and all that kind of stuff. And then Tracy starts and the little lady at the desk came over and tapped me on the shoulder and said, can we move you into a private room? I said, okay. <laughs> and could you be quiet? Well, the simple answer to that is no, we can't. And then that lady tapped me on the, sh- no, tapped you on the shoulder, tapped Donnie on the shoulder and she says, well, because they have given us a really bad report about Grandpa Jim, this is 10, 15 years ago. And, and give us a really bad report and we're not sure he's going to make it through the, through the day and then somebody finally decided that ain't the way it's going to be. So pay attention, hide and watch because people are going to pray. And anyway, this lady tapped Donnie on the shoulder and said, you know, we have a chaplain here. And Donnie looked at her and says, we travel with our own. (laughs) (laughs) My point is that you're not designed to be a victim of your future. You're not. Contribute. Heaven is a reward. You say, well, I'm going to have to bury my parents. I've done that. I'll just tell you right now. When you bury your parents in the Lord, it can be a happy time. Because my mom had a stroke and the left side of her body began to deteriorate a little bit. And she was a dancer. She loved to dance. My dad hated it. So she had a dance deficiency through 63 years of marriage. I'm guaranteeing you when she got there and Jesus extended his hand to receive her, he, she grabbed his hand and gave him a pirouette and said, hallelujah, let's dance. Because heaven is a reward. And we get all wound up about things. And, and so anyway, what was I saying before I got inspired? I'm going to teach you next week, maybe. <laughs> I'm going to teach you next week about, about, uh, about the danger Of getting your understanding ahead of your faith. You need to lead with faith. And let your understanding follow. That's where we're going next week. Come on music team. Come sing a song for us. We're going to just stop right there. We'll stop when the anointing lifts. and Start when it fires back up. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get it? See it's so important. Because (laughs) when you get in these processes like this. You think oh God why aren't you doing anything? He already did. He did those things in Jesus Christ. We just need to thank Him for what He's done. Amen? And you can have peace in the worst possible circumstances. And one person got that one. I said you can have peace in the worst possible circumstances. You do not have to be subject to all the junk. I didn't say the junk wasn't going to happen. I said you don't have to be... Faith doesn't remove the problem, it just eliminates the space that the problem can live in. Right? Faith removes the space. You say, well, I'm just not giving any space in my brain for all the negative things that people say. If you don't give any room for that baby to have problems like that and get the whole family involved pretty soon, we'll just crush that idea right out of there and then the doctors will be forced to agree. Amen. Amen. Stand with us, would you please? Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. We learned something today. Your spirit was in our hearts, Father. We heard your words. We just thank you, Lord God, for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening. To subscribe to our podcast, search New Life Eckley in all of the major podcasting apps. Audio and video of our sermons are posted at newlifeeckley.com slash live. And you can watch Sermon Slices weekdays on social media. Search at New Life Eckley. Our main service is at 10 a.m. Mountain Time every Sunday. Thanks for listening.